Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to a brand new message. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Colossians chapter 3 is where we are today. Starting in verse 15, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and to be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, come on somebody, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want to call our message today, Here is Holy. Here is holy. Come on. You guys can take a seat. Can we give it up one more time for the worship team for leading us this morning? So glad that you guys could be here today. Uh, Hey, if you're new or visiting uh, or just don't know, my name is Harrison, and I'm just so glad that you guys could be here with us today. Uh, We just, as a church, came off a season where for seven weeks, We were untangling emotions. Can you guys make some noise? Anyone here for that series? Couple people. Uh, I just want to encourage you. I really think that the things that we learned, the things that we went through in that series um, are just so beneficial. And so I want to encourage you. If you missed it, everything is on YouTube. Everything is online. Podcast, Spotify, wherever you find your stuff, it's online. So just encourage you guys, go check it out. Uh, We finished that. Next week, which is crazy to think, we're beginning our year-end series, uh, which is crazy. We're kind of ending the year 2022. Uh, We have a tradition as a church where every single year we come together and we kind of look back on all that God has done, but we look forward, and it really is a season of generosity, and so that all starts next week, and I want to encourage you. I think that uh, if you have a friend or a family member or someone that needs hope, I think next week would be a great time for them to be here. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, if last week was the old series, next week is the new series, what does that leave today? Well, today leaves what I call, or I could call, an awkward gap in terms of uh, what we're going to share. And uh, I think there's two ways to look at it. You can call it an awkward gap, or you can call it a God gap. Come on, somebody. Um, A holy gap. Uh, as, as Sid said, <laughs> I like that one kind of, um, but I'm going to be honest, uh, this week I had a little bit uh, of a struggle with this message and one of the things that I know is that when I'm struggling for the message, it's generally because I think there's something that needs to be said, but I'm just not hearing it. And so I was just digging and digging, and all that to say, um, I'm just going to let the Spirit lead today, but I truly believe that there is someone here today that God has something for. And so I'm hoping that through my struggle, there's something on the other end, and I'm just super excited for that. So uh, that's where we're going to go today, is kind of, you're going to get a little picture into my mind in in the text of Colossians chapter 3. But I'm not sure how many of you guys saw it today, but uh, did anyone see when you were walking in for the first time? We have a sign outside of our building. Anyone see it this morning? So amazing. So now you can actually find us if, like, you don't use Google Maps. Um, But uh, 
First time, amazing. I'm just believing that sign is going to be a beacon of hope. I'm believing there's going to be someone someday in this industrial park that's going to just drive by and see it and be led to come to our church. So I'm excited about the sign. I hope you're excited about the sign. Uh, It got installed this week, and it was actually um, Don on our team. His company did it. Shout out to Don Murray. Um, If you ever need printing services of any kind, Don is your man. He made the sign. And Don, uh, as a good owner of the company, uh, got us the sign, but he didn't install the sign. Come off, somebody. That's what leadership looks like, is getting someone else to go outside when it's minus 15 and the wind is blowing. Don, a man of God, uh, doing what I would do with that sign, getting someone else to put it up. Chase is smiling because he knows. (laughs) He'd be the guy. (laughs) to put up the sign. Um, <laughs> but the sign went up this week, and uh, the guy that, that put up the sign, uh, he was out there. Like, I felt bad because, like, it was Tuesday. Like, kind of the only day that was really cold this week, or Wednesday, um, was the day he was out there installing it. And so he was doing his thing. I was in my, inside, like, praying and fasting, obviously, uh, as he was outside <laughs> doing his thing. And um, as he finished the sign, it took him about three hours uh, Before he left, he came and got me, took me outside, showed me the sign, and I'm like, wow, looks amazing. And he's kind of like halfway in his car. uh, But, like, I I never want someone to come here and not, like, get the invite to church. But, like, I usually have a conversation, get to know the person uh, before I throw the invite. I'm just prefacing that. Didn't really get to have the conversation. He was halfway in his car. He was frozen. Um, But I was just like, hey, like, if you want, church is on Sunday. <laughs> same time. Well, not same time, but he started at like 10 o'clock. But 10 o'clock on Sunday. And you guys ever invite someone to church before and you kind of get the look? <laughs> you know the look where it's like, I don't want to say no, but I really don't want to say yes. I got one of those looks. He was kind of like, And uh, he got in his car and he left. And, and listen, listen, for, for those of you guys that have got the look, and again, I preface by saying I always think it's better when you get to know someone and, and share their story. Just didn't have time. Wanted to throw the invite anyways. Because, like, listen, best case scenario, when you invite someone to church, they come here and their life is changed forever. That's the best, come on, that's the best case scenario. And so I'm, I'm willing to take a couple of weird looks every once in a while if like, because I know there are people here today that the only reason you were in church is because someone had the courage to invite you to church and someone had the courage to say, I don't care what they look like back at me, I'm going to invite them anyway. So he's probably not coming, but we'll keep praying and, and I'll talk to Don because maybe he knows who he is. Um, but it was funny because I was thinking about this whole exchange and what, what was really funny is because like generally speaking, when we invite people to church, we're not at church. And, like, one of the biggest barriers is to get people to church. But I thought it was kind of funny because, like, I was inviting them to come to this place, which was the very place that he was at. And I thought it was really funny that, like, for him, like, like he can be here on a Wednesday, right? Like, when it's just, like, on Wednesday, it's an industrial bay. But, like, Sunday morning, where, like, when the church is in session, like, he knew, probably rightly so, that like it's going to look a whole lot different on Sunday as opposed to Wednesday. And, and this thing just kind of kept going in my head. Like it's funny how like the same place 
on two different days can be so different. And, and then the Lord just kind of planted something in, in my spirit. And, and I know it's something that we're all going to resonate in this place. But do you guys ever feel like in your life you look a little bit different on Wednesday than you do on Sunday? Anyone ever feel like that? And now listen, I'm not even talking about like I was wilding on Friday and then I came to church on Sunday. Like, yeah, like if you were wilding, so glad you're here. <laughs> Where are my wild people at? But like, I'm not even talking about that. What, what I'm talking about is like, it's this thing that I think we all experience. And I know I'm not alone when I say this, but there's this, this, this phenomena that kind of happens where we go into certain places. Maybe it's school, maybe it's work. Maybe it's on social media, on Instagram, on TikTok for the youngins. But do you guys ever feel this pressure to perform? Where it's like, I might be one person at church, but I'm a completely different person at work. And I'm an even different person at home. And I'm another person when I play sports. And, and I think for a lot of us, what happens is that we begin to kind of live these compartmentalized lives where we have different versions of ourselves. And what I want to talk about today and where I think that God is leading us is beneath all of those things and those different personas that we put on is a question that I think many of us are asking ourselves. And it's a simple question, and it's this. It's who am I? Who am I? I think when it really boils down to it, one of the reasons that we are, are, are so different in different places, one of the reasons we struggle with identity is because when we really boil it down, a lot of us do not actually know who we are. And it seems really weird because like, how could I be 50 years old and I've lived with myself for 50 years, but I still don't know who I actually am? And I think what happens when we don't know who we are is that we begin to ask the next question, which is a question so many of us are asking, like, well, what is my purpose? Because if I don't know who I am, I'll never know why I was created or why I exist. And I think we kind of live in this culture today where everyone is giving us answers to this question of like, who am I? What is your identity? Or, or questions or answers to the question like, what, what is my purpose? Why on earth am I here? And, and I think a lot of us are asking this question and a lot of us are getting answers from places, from people. But, but I kind of have a simple thought. Because I think we are in a cultural moment right now where so many people do not know who they are or why on earth they are here. Yet at the same time, we're taking advice from the very people that also don't know who they are or why they are here. And so for a lot of us in this room today, I know you have lived with some sort of rhetoric that what you do, your job, your vocation, that is your identity. For some of us in this room, you have lived with the belief that, like, I will be complete, I will be whole once I get into a relationship or, or once I have a certain amount of money. But what happens, and I think one of the reasons we begin to live these compartmentalized lives where we are different people in different places is because everywhere we go, we are entering into rooms trying to answer this question, who am I? And I think... If I don't know the answer to that question, I think that, that, that every room I enter into, every season of life I go through, it'll be really empty. And it'll be really tiring. It's funny, you guys, young, young people today, you guys know Logan Paul, the famous like, YouTuber? 
unfortunately. <clears throat> I was watching a clip of him. He's, for those of you guys that don't know, he's like a famous YouTuber, and now he's like in WWE, does some other stuff. So if you like wrestling, check him out Monday nights. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> he used to do YouTube, and I watched a little clip, and someone asked him, like, hey, how come you don't post so much on YouTube anymore? And he said something I thought was so interesting. He said, the reason I don't post on YouTube anymore is because I realized that YouTube was extremely exhausting. And they said, why? And he said, it was exhausting because every time I went on YouTube, I tried to be someone I wasn't. And I just got tired. And so I know there are people here today that feel tired. And I wonder if the reason you feel tired, the reason you feel burnt out is because you don't know who you are. You don't know what your purpose is. What I want to do today is I want to study and break down Colossians chapter 3, and I want to give us the answer to the question, who am I, what is my purpose, and what on earth does God have me here for? So, <clears throat> could I have that water, Amy? It's just the yellow bottle there. Thank you so much. The context of Colossians chapter 3, this is written by a man named Paul, and he wrote this book, and <clears throat> if you were to give this book just a simple explanation. What is this book about? The entire book is about the supremacy of Jesus. Like, I love that song that we sing, All Hail King Jesus, because what we are doing is we are putting Christ on the throne, right? Like, all hail, like he is the king, he is the Lord of heaven and earth. Come on, Zoe, lead us in that song. And this whole book of Colossians, Paul is, is making this point that Jesus is above everything. Like, he's above every fear, every worry, every, every anxiety. He's above, he's above religion. That's, that's, that's a big theme that you see in Colossians 2. He's, a, he's above your rituals. He's above the way that you think. think. Jesus is supreme. And so I think in, in, in this book, just we're going to look at three verses today. I think that Paul gives us an answer to help understand how we can live better lives, less compartmentalized lives, and lives where we understand truly who am I. And so... Paul says this in Colossians 3.15. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and to be thankful. So we're going to be in this verse quite a few times. So I'm going to really break it down. But the first part he says, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. Now, the reason he says this, I want us to understand something. What Paul wants us to understand is that there is always something vying for my heart. There is always something that is trying to take rule in my heart. And so I want us to understand this. It's a really simple point, but I think we need to understand this as we go on today. But something rules your heart. Something rules your heart. Now, Paul... He says, well, like, let's let it be Jesus, <clears throat> and I'll get there. Trust me, I'll get there. But what we need to understand is that something rules our hearts. Now, whatever that thing is, whatever rules our hearts, I want to make the argument that what rules our hearts will therefore rule our minds. And even more than that, what rules my, hearts will dom what rules my heart will dominate how I live my life. And what happens for a lot of us, because we can read this verse, and it's like, okay, Jesus rules my heart. But like, Harrison, I don't want Jesus to rule my heart. Because like, I want to rule my heart. 
and I want to set the course for my life. But one of the things I want us to understand is that I don't actually believe that you can rule your heart. Now, like, you can make the decision to say, like, I'm, I'm not going to follow Jesus, and that's, that's totally up to you. You're free to do that. But what you are not free to do is rule your own heart. Why? Let me tell you. Because our hearts and our emotions are designed two ways. Our hearts are designed for affection and direction. How can I understand my heart? Two things. Write it down. Affection and direction. Meaning, our hearts, the way that I believe God has designed us, we are designed to attach to something outside of ourselves. And we are designed in a directional way. I guess I'm letting the spirit lead, so I'm just going to speak it. I have this, this thing that's been going on in my head a little bit. It's a little tangent of mine. I'm going to share it with you guys. Um, but we, we live in a culture that says like, it's all about self-love, right? Just, just love yourself. Now, I think like you should take care of yourself. But like, I, I don't actually believe that one can truly love themselves. And the reason I believe that is because all love inevitably is directional, meaning it is towards something. I want you to think of anything in your life that you love. And I want you to ask yourself a simple question. Can I, should I, feel that same way towards myself? And I would offer that you are actually setting yourself up for failure when you try to say, I must love myself. Because I think love was always meant to be directed outwards. The very display of love is actually to think less of myself and more of something else. That's a side tangent. i got to get back to the message now. And so what happens when it comes to this idea of something rules our hearts, I think we fall into this myth that says, well, I'll just rule my heart. But your heart wasn't designed that way. And so inevitably and eventually, your heart will connect to something because it was designed as such. And so what happens, because our hearts are directional, so many of us are looking for something to attach ourselves to. And we live in a culture that gives us some answers. We say, well, if you just find the job of your dreams, if you can just find that career, then you will have purpose. Then you will have meaning. The reason you don't have meaning right now is because you don't have the job that you love. Or it's relational. It says, like, well, if, you just, if you just find the right person, if you just find your person, your, your soulmate, the other half, then you, will, then you will have purpose. And what happens, because our hearts are directional, we attach on to these things. And they begin to rule us. But what I want to argue today is that the reason that we are so confused, the reason we are so compartmentalized is because we've attached to things, we've attached to people, we've attached to places, but none of it is satisfying. None of it is giving us what we are looking for. And that's why we get to this place where it's like, I, I love my job, I, I love what I do, I have a great relationship, but why do I still feel like there's something more? What I want to suggest is simply this. Our design was meant to reveal our destiny. Our design was meant to reveal our destiny. Listen, we were designed to attach ourselves to something. This is why that person in your life loves CrossFit. 
That's why it's like that. That's why they love being a vegan, whatever. Like, that's why they love coffee, right? Our hearts are directional. We can't, when we, when we attach onto something, we can't stop talking about it. We were created as such. Our design, does this make sense? Reveals our destiny. But when that, which is ruling our heart, ceases to satisfy, that feeling of like there, there must be something more. There, there must be something else out there. It's not to be ignored, but it's to be explored. And so if you're here today and you feel like, man, like, how come I just can't find purpose? How come I just can't find meaning? How come my heart is, isn't finding peace? What I want to suggest is that perhaps there's something more your heart is searching for. The question we need to ask is, why are we like this? Why are we like this? Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I think it gives us a clue. This is Solomon. He says, I have seen the burden that God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in his time. And he has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. And so this verse... It explains us so well. What's the burden? God has made everything beautiful. Why is that a burden? Because we attach to these beautiful things. Listen, work is good. I actually believe that God created work. It's a gift from God. Relationships are a gift from God. Finances can be a gift from God. And so all of these things are good. But he says, he says, the burden is that despite all the good that is around us, God has also laid in our hearts eternity. He has set in our hearts eternity. What does that mean? It means I can experience all the beauty, all the splendor. I can go to Jasper. I can go to Egypt and look at the pyramids. I can go to the seven wonders of the world. But something inside of me was designed for even more than that. And so what happens, and I want to put language to what someone is feeling right now, is that you begin to experience a holy longing that says there must be something more. And for some of us, maybe we've gone our whole lives. It's been a long time. So there must be something more. If, if, if we're young, like there must be something more. But the issue, and I've kind of hit on it, is that we live here today in a post-Christian culture. My good friend, Pastor Brett, he shared something on Instagram a couple days ago. Um, it was statistics of Christianity in Canada from 2011 uh, to 2021. And I'm not going to give you the whole stats, but let's just say Christianity is like going down. Come on, somebody. Um, Alberta, <clears throat> I think the statistic was 42% of people now in Alberta identify as Christian. Um, and if you're like, Harrison, is this bad news? Not really, um, because Christianity always does better when it's not the majority, when it's the minority. That's a whole other sermon, but we ain't worried. But what happens, though, is that when Christianity is no longer the majority, it's the minority, what that means is the line of thinking that people have no longer will line up with a biblical ideal. Now, Canada, in its roots, was more Christian than not Christian. So even our thinking today, as we move more post-Christian, it's still littered with Christianity. 
You can't run away from it. But the majority of the ways that people think and the solutions we have to our problems are no longer given to us through a Christian lens. And, and I, I want to speak today because I want to give us a perspective that perhaps you have not heard. Because I think for far too many people, especially, man, if you are a young adult in this room, you have bought into this lie that says whatever job I choose is the biggest decision of my life. And what happens, this is crazy if you didn't know this, but today the average person stays at their job for four years. That's, that's the average length someone will stay at their job once they're in their career, which is like mildly diff- wildly different than 20 years ago. It was like you started a job, you start there, then you die, right? Like, People didn't leave. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to find a new job, but I think one of the reasons there's this high level of dissatisfaction is because someone has told you that your life purpose will be found here. It'll be found in this career. I'm here to tell you it won't. Because, listen to this, the longing of my heart is not temporal. It's eternal. And so an eternal heart, which is what you and I have, long for eternal solutions. And the more I settle for the temporary, the less and least satisfied I will be. And for some of us, listen, I know it's not your job, but I think it's relationally. Right now, if you didn't know this, but we live in a culture where sex is God. Gender identity are, 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 are the things of our days. And as Christians, like we can get really scared, like, oh my gosh. Like, what's going on? You don't need to be scared because we don't need to ignore. We need to explore. What is a culture that elevates sexuality and that is really confused on what is, what, what is, what isn't? What is the culture trying to tell us? What I believe culture is telling us is that we have a whole lot of questions, but there's no suitable answers. <clears throat> and so we're looking and we're looking and we're looking in temporal things. But the longing of my heart is eternal. It's not more money. It's not a better job. It's not a new relationship. It's not a new friendship. Listen to this. It's not moving to the other side of the world. It's like if I just could live in Australia, my life would improve. The issue is the eternal heart goes with you wherever you go. C.S. Lewis I think he says it so eloquently. He says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. I love using quotes because it's like everything I'm saying, but like better. (laughs) Compounded. You want to know what's funny? Is I think we kind of understand the first part. We understand like, man, like nothing's satisfying. But we don't get to the second part. Because what he says is the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. For a lot of us, it's like the most probable explanation is I'm not trying hard enough. It's like I need a new job. <laughs> I, just, I just, it wasn't, Australia wasn't my thing. I didn't like the accents. I'm going to go a little bit different. New Zealand, that's like, that's the solution. Where's Isaac at? Because New Zealand's a little more eloquent. That's just my opinion, but. Not in a bad way. Isaac, you talk later. We'll, we'll. <laughs> but we understand there's a longing, but we do these surface solutions. You guys ever feel like you're stuck in surface solutions? 
it's kind of like, can I just let into my brain for a second? Um, I work out. I have a membership. <laughs> at Planet Fitness. Um, which is a judgment-free zone. But listen, the best way not to get judged, don't show up. Um, but like, I used to be really consistent at the gym until um, I had kids and shoulder surgery and whatever else excuse I feel like is convenient at the time. Um, but I had a thought the other day. It was so funny. Um, I was like, you know what? Like, if I just go back to L.A. Fitness, my old gym, like, I think things will turn around. Because, <laughs> like, I used to be consistent when I went to L.A. Fitness. But I think that mindset, that's how we live, right? It's surface solutions. I'm not satisfied, so I'm, I'm going to have a new degree, right? This is what we call the midlife crisis. I'm not satisfied, so I need a, a bigger house. I need a new spouse, they're surface solutions. They're temporal solutions to a heart that longs for eternity. Am I making sense today? Listen, we long for the transcendent. We long for something that will last forever. When I say that we come here and we sing and we worship, we're experiencing heaven, I'm not lying. These, they're transcendent moments when heaven meets earth. And we are able to actually worship and see a transcendent God who fills the longings of our heart. And so you're saying to yourself, well, okay, Harrison, I'm, I'm eternal, not temporal. What's the solution? Colossians 3, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So what's the solution? Super simple. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. You're like, Harrison, you strung me for 25 minutes to let me know the solution is Jesus. Yes, I did. Because he is the answer to every longing of our heart. Now, I know there's someone saying to yourself, Harrison, listen, I've tried that. I've done the church thing. I've read my Bible kind of. But like it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference. Look, look what he says, though, because I want us to understand this. There's, there's a big difference between having Christ in my life and making him my life. This is what Paul says a little bit earlier. Speaking about when Jesus comes in, he says, you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Look at this. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. He doesn't say Christ who is a part of my life. The Jesus I worship on Sunday. The Jesus I need when the bills come in, I can't afford it, and I got to pray real quick. He says, Christ, who is your life? The solution is not just to invite Jesus into my life but it is to invite him into my life and then make him the Lord of my life. I want you to understand, because if you're like, Harrison, like, 
It's, it's not working. I want to suggest maybe the reason isn't, it's not working is because Jesus isn't the main thing. He's just something. He's just something I have in my life. And, and if he's just something I have in my life, the problem will be like anything else. Is that I'll take Jesus some places, but I won't take him to all places. You want to know the problem with your job? It's that you leave Jesus at the door. And you say, I'll see you on Friday, maybe. I might come get you Sunday, though. Jesus, who is your life. <clears throat> it's funny. <clears throat> the girls, um, they're, they're in kids right now. Um, we put, like, Christian songs on the TV sometimes. They dance it out. <laughs> the Christian dancing. <laughs> and... There's, there's a Christian song, it's, it's funny, I listened to it this week, um, and I thought the words were weird, but then I realized something right now, but um, in the song, it goes, uh, like, every move I make, I'm making you, you are my way, Jesus. Then it goes, every breath I take, I breathe in you. And I was, like, listening to the song, and I was like, what does that even mean? Like, every breath I breathe in you, like, what does that mean? But I think, and I don't know who wrote the song, but, like, Maybe it's kind of what Colossians is saying, where it's like every breath I have is a gift from Jesus. My life isn't split up. My life is hidden in him. And so I want you to understand, we have a vision for our church. I'm not going to stop telling us the vision. The word that God gave us for this year as a church is to go deeper. And that's, that's not like a September thing. It's like God is continually calling us deeper. And I know for some of us in this room, I'm going to speak to, to the people that, that are following Jesus. Perhaps what God is calling us to do this year is to say, I'm not going to compartmentalize my life anymore. I'm not going to split it up to my church things, my friend things, my hobby things, my personal things. Like They're all going to come together. Because I think for a lot of us in and this is a sad thing to say, but I think there are a lot of people that will spend their whole life in church but never get the full benefits of what it means to follow Jesus. It's funny, when I, I went to a Christian school, um, the Lord changed my life, and um, I began to study, to study theology. And my theology friends, we kind of had a similar story where um, the Lord took us out of stuff, called us into ministry, and we were at a Christian school, and there was a group of people um, that didn't want to live the Christian life. You guys know what I'm saying? Um, and so they would do some things. They'd go to a club called Lotus in Red Deer. I think it's shut down now, health and safety. Um, <clears throat> but we'd always, we, I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you the story. Don't say it's right or wrong, but we'd always kind of make fun of these guys. Um, and we'd make fun of them because like, they'd go to Lotus, but they still come to church. And we always made fun of them because, like, we would just say, listen, like, if you're going to wild, like, be wild. Like, what are you coming to church for? Don't waste your time. Like, go enjoy all the fruits of Satan. Um, <laughs> but listen, listen, I think the inverse is true. You guys aren't wild. But I think a lot of us, like, like if you're going to follow Jesus, like, follow Jesus. 
Because I can tell you unequivocally, and we got a series coming up, and I'm super excited for it, and it's all about like just, just the goodness and the grace of Jesus. But I can tell you, like, since Jesus became the Lord of my life, my life is a constant overflow. Is God doing more, immeasurably more, than I could ever think, dream, or imagine? It's like our first kid became two kids. Like, that's just, it's like, we got twins. Um, and I just, I just long for a church and a people that no longer compartmentalize their lives. Because I truly believe that something will happen when you say, Jesus, you can have the whole thing. You can have the whole thing. Look what he says in verse 16. He says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Like literally, like let the message live with you. Right? This is like in John 1, like the word became flesh and dwelt. Like built a home. Like let the message of Jesus build a home in your heart. Then we can teach everyone admonishing and singing with, with wisdom and, and hymns and songs from the Spirit and singing to God with gratitude in your heart. So it's like, well, Harrison, how do I, how do I make the message dwell with me? Well, well, number one, you need to understand the message. I'll give you the Spark Notes version of the message. There is a God that loves you so much that created you for something so much more than anything that you can ever find in this world. And there was and there is a disconnect between where we are and where God wants us to be. And the only way that we could ever get to where God wants us to be is to say, I can't get there. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, who in the flesh died for you and he died for me and he bridges the gap. And he says, I, I will be all that you can't be. I will do all that you can't do. I know there's someone that your picture of church people is like, it's just trying to do better, be better. No, no, no. Jesus was and is better. So it's never been about what I do, but it's about coming under him who has done what I could not do for myself. And when I understand that message, and, and again, I'm giving you the short version. You want the long version? Come to church every week. Get into a small group. Read the Bible. Pray. And take a step every single day. I've, I've quoted Brett kind of twice in this sermon, but he has a saying, Pastor Brett. Um, he always says, we follow Jesus one step at a time. One step at a time. How does the message of Christ dwell in my heart is one step at a time. For some of us, it's, it's this week in school. I'm taking Jesus with me. One step at a time. For some of us, we're not going to run away from that holy longing anymore. I'm going to stop looking for surface solutions and ask, God, what do you have for me? What are you trying to tell me? It's one step at a time. You want to know what's crazy, and it's not a coincidence, but can you go back to verse 16 for a sec, Christiane? The message of Christ dwelling <clears throat> inside of us, he connects it with teaching, but he also connects it with singing and worshiping, psalms, hymns, 
songs from the Spirit. You're like, what's the song from the Spirit? It's literally the Holy Spirit inside you. Like, it's not like a hill song. It's a you song. <laughs> you guys like that one? No. <laughs> Because some of us, like, and I know this, I'm not putting anyone on blast, but there's some people that are like, I come to church at 1030 when the worship is done. I just get the message. You're missing out. Because there's actually something supernatural that happens in the context of worship. And there is a way that God speaks to us through music that I can't even speak to you through. There's a way the Holy Spirit communicates to us that no other person can do. And so super simple come to church next week at 10 a.m come on somebody but like why wait till next sunday because this wednesday night i didn't even plan this it just works sometimes this wednesday night 7 30 p.m we have a worship night and we're joined this is so cool i like shout out brett 50 times already but we're combining with saints church so it's not just us up here. It's like it's Saints Church, and you guys have seen some of them before, and like we are just going to worship Jesus. And maybe even like Harrison, it's, it's never been my thing. Listen, one step at a time. One step at a time. And, and just watch what a difference it makes when we begin to live lives. They're not broken up. They're not compartmentalized. And so it's like, well, Harrison, like, what about my job? What about my relationship, my friendships, my hobbies, my CrossFit? Does any of that stuff matter? Yes. It matters immensely. But here's the solution. It's not to look for life in those things, to look for hope, to look for salvation. But he says in verse 17, he says, whatever you do, come on, I don't know your life, but whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is a crazy thought, but what it means is this, because so many of us, like Harrison, I just, I long for something that is transcendent. I get that. But what's the moment? Listen, you don't got to wait for worship night on Wednesday night. You can have a holy, transcendent moment on Monday morning at school, at work. How? It's by doing whatever you do, in word or in deed, all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's by saying, where I go, this is a holy place. This is a holy place. Here is holy. Listen to this. What if it was never about what I do, but it was always about who I belong to and whose I am? It's not about who you are. It's about whose you are. And if I know that I am Jesus, if I know I'm a son, I know I'm a daughter, it means I can walk into any room in any place. I don't have to be anything other than I already am and other than who Jesus has made me, <laughs> saved, redeemed. I can live with hope. I can live with purpose. Because when I walk in the room, listen to this. Because like Harrison, I don't have confidence. You don't need confidence in you. You need confidence in him. You want a Holy Spirit confidence? It's this. I can walk into my job where no one's a Christian. 
And I can feel confident because I have something that I know they need. Peace. Hope. Joy. And so suddenly my job is a holy place. Suddenly my school is a holy place. Suddenly I'm going to stop looking at my spouse to be my savior and realize someone already died for me. I don't need my wife to die for me. I need to die to myself. Here is holy. Here is holy. Can I make a challenge to us, church? This week in this, it's, it's a God gap, I told you, right? It's a holy gap. It's, it's, this week's a holy gap. There's something very specific God wanted someone to hear today. So I want us to make the commitment to say, Harrison, tomorrow morning, Monday morning, whatever it looks like, here is holy. Here is holy. I'm going to stop chasing. I'm going to stop doing the same thing over and over again. But here is holy. Why? Because Jesus has made me holy. And so I don't search for holy places. I'm a holy person because of Jesus. Now listen, that requires Jesus to be Lord of my life and to sit on the throne of my heart. And if you've never made that decision to say, Jesus, I'm going to allow you into my heart. I'm going to allow you to lead. I, I want to give us the opportunity right now. Can we just stand for a second, church? I think this is a holy moment. And I think it's a moment where someone is going to put behind the way they used to do things and enter forward into a new way. But the very first step is simply to say, Jesus, I want to allow you in. And no matter where we've been, no matter how hard our hearts may seem sometimes, he's always knocking. He's always knocking. And it just takes a moment, it just takes a second, and suddenly here can become holy. So right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're saying, Harrison, I, I want to allow that Jesus into my heart, <clears throat> I just want you to raise your hand. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. This is just between you and the Lord. Thank you. Here is holy Jesus. For every heart, for every longing, for everyone that's looking for purpose and meaning, Jesus, I just pray that you come close, God. I pray one step at a time. I pray, God, for those today that are making the decision for the very first time to say, I want to let you in, God. I just pray for a fresh outpouring of your spirit. I pray that you do something supernatural. God, I thank you for this space and for this place where you can do and you do more than we can ever think, dream, or imagine. And so, Jesus, I just thank you so much for what you're doing and for the opportunity and the privilege to share. And so, God, do something in our hearts. Move today. 
Listen, I've been making this appeal for a few weeks, and I'm going to keep making it. If there's someone that wants to get baptized, if you have not been baptized before, or maybe it happened when you were really young and it wasn't your own decision, I think this is an amazing season to say, I want to publicly make Jesus my Savior. And so if there's someone here today, you want to make the decision to follow Jesus, you want to get baptized, I want to encourage you at the info center, fill out a connect card and just check off, I want to get baptized. And we would love to meet with you and just share more about Jesus. And listen, if you made the decision to follow Jesus, we'd also love to get in contact with you, know more about you. And once again, a connect card is the best way to do that. So if that's you right now, Father, just continue to stir hearts, Lord. I just pray for the action step that is needed to fill something out, to take that step. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing, for your goodness, for your grace. We love you. We pray in your mighty and holy name. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we give Jesus some praise? Hey, thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope you were encouraged and inspired. If you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, take care.